0: On today's episode, what is a healthy running weight with Megan Flanagan? Welcome to the Run Smarter podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brodie Sharp. I am a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default, become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Megan Flanagan is a... Well, a former collegiate runner. She is. She has a master's in public health, bachelor in nutrition. She is a personal trainer, a running coach. She's also a registered yoga teacher, although we don't really talk about that on the podcast. Um, avid ob- obstacle course runner, a trail and ultra runner. And she has a ton of blogs around body image, eating disorders, nutrition, self-care, those sort of things. She's also the host of the Strong Runner Chicks and... I think it's good every now and then just to have a, a bit of a wellness topic. We had some around red s, we had some sleep, we had some nutrition. We've had two dietitians on the podcast so far and I think it's um, we're due for a really nice wellness topic. So let's try and find out and get some insight into what is a healthy running weight. It was a pleasure having Megan on to discuss this topic and, um, yeah, just had a blast. Learned a lot. There was a couple of times when, um, Megan's audio cut out. I'm not too sure if it was my Wi-Fi or if it was hers anyway, it's, um, Allowed for me to practice some um, audio editing, <laughs> so if um, perhaps it's going to be a little bit of a game for you to spot when it might have cut out, and I've done some editing to try and make it as seamless as possible. So if you can't pick it out, then I know I've done a good job. So, but have a listen. Happened a couple of times. We'll see. I hope you guys are enjoying this kind of one-two punch that I'm doing this month, where I'm teaching you what I'm learning through my past injuries on the Monday, then releasing. Uh, interview on the Friday. And yeah, it's, it's been a nice balance. I think it's allowing me to work on my solo episodes while also working on my interview skills and kind of just having the balance between the two. So hopefully you're enjoying the process. Um, I know I stress this all the time, but if you haven't already go back to season one, have a listen to those basic, uh, universal principles that every runner needs to know whether you're injured, not injured, every runner needs to know this if they want to work on injury prevention which every runner does and we cover a whole bunch of topics we cover that pain rest weakness downward spiral in a bit more detail how to, uh, how to interpret pain how to interpret some symptoms that are going on what you need to do when symptoms first arise we go through why rest isn't always the best course of action we go through why personality and certain personality traits might leave you more at risk of injury so Please, please, please go through those first 10, if you haven't, um, before scrolling through and finding all the other relevant episodes that you find have a particular interest. Okay, I know you're all eager to hear uh, Megan's insight and the topic of what is a healthy race weight. We touched base on a bit of nutrition, but more around the psychology and the holistic focus, where, where you need to draw your focus to when it comes to racing and performance and yeah, just enjoying your running. It was a fascinating conversation. Here is Megan Flanagan. Uh So Megan, this is like a a different topic. I've had a couple of dietitians and nutritionists on before to talk about like a healthy diet and inflammatory diets and those sort of things. But the topic of running weight um, matters in a whole bunch of different running populations. So let's start by saying Megan, welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast.
1: Thank you, Brody. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here and excited to chat with you about this.
0: Yeah, the feeling's mutual. So how about we just start off with you kind of just like introducing yourself, maybe a bit of a background in your um, your studies and your experience with running and this particular topic.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, um, when I, you know, I, uh, I'll i say I was fascinated early on by uh, the study of nutrition and exercise science, always loved um, health and, and learning about these topics. So it came naturally to me, I think, as a an early um, runner from middle school, high school, and beyond. So the decision to study in this area was pretty natural, I would say. Um, once I got into some of those nutrition courses, though, in college, um, I did end up doing my degree in nutrition and um, uh psychology as well so i had more of a combination degree rather than taking the the route of the registered dietitian which i i originally thought i wanted to go into but i recognize there's so much more to um, healthy and happy running than just nutrition and that you know uh, there's no one-size-fits-all approach to running and i think that's what we'll get into maybe a bit more today and how my experience helped shape the direction both of my career and um, of what I'm passionate about now
0: yeah I always love it when it starts with an interest in yourself like you have a particular fascination and then you go into the the studies of it It always um, allows for a very promising kind of career moving forward Um, so yeah I'm excited I think when I was preparing for this topic there was two populations that kind of struck to me when it comes to like either weight loss or maintaining a healthy running weight. And the more those two populations would be the the young athlete, I guess, maybe the high school or college university style runner. And then maybe like the the later in age, the middle age recreational runner, or those who uh, start participating in running to lose weight or just maintain a healthy weight. And they're two very different populations, but I thought I might start with, the younger athlete. So, um, when it comes to this issue around body weight, body image, that, that topic, what, at what stage should we be prioritizing the correct education? Like when does it become an important topic?
1: Yeah. Well, I would say from the get-go, I mean, uh, I, and again, I do want to preface this by saying, I I do, recommend checking with a registered dietitian and nutritionist. and I worked with several in my own experiences and have learned from learned a lot from them on this. Um, so I would say in, in regards to the young athlete early on, um, oftentimes it's not addressed until it becomes an issue until you know the athlete desires to lose weight and, and maybe takes an unhealthy approach. Or takes it too far um, and becomes wrapped up in weight entirely and i think um that's sort of the issue is like not having weight be the end all be all um, of you know the focus um but you know it, it just i think a healthy weight a healthy race weight kind of comes as a byproduct of just taking care of the things you need to. And sometimes that is um, nutrition education, you know, having um, a registered dietitian come in to a team and talk about how to put a healthy plate together, right? I mean, we don't all learn these things when we're growing up necessarily, unless our parents are are interested in nutrition. So how do you put a plate together? And like, why is it so important for athletes especially? Um, You know, adolescents are in this growth phase and so they require more um, have a higher caloric need than probably a lot of us do. Um, so I think that time is really kind of fragile in the sense of not wanting to focus on, you know, cutting food groups out or restricting and more so what can you do to add in healthy food groups and, um, prioritize recovery with your, you know, your recovery snacks, meals, et cetera.
0: On this podcast, I do like to break down a lot of misconceptions, whether it be like injury prevention or overcoming a certain type of injury. And I'm curious to hear if you have come across any misconceptions regarding body image or weight loss or diets um, throughout your, your running career and throughout college, um, yeah. perhaps you might've heard other people talking about or that you in the past have come to believe personally.
1: Definitely. Uh, I would say one is that um, sort of this myth that thinner equals faster, right? um, Of course, body weight is semi-influential in some sense. I mean, we see runners tend to be perhaps, you know, distance runners, a certain body type, but that's more, I would say, coincidental and sort of maybe, you know, those body types just gravitate towards running because it's what they're good at rather than the other way around. Um, So one of those, yeah, along those notes is just that you don't have to fit the mold of what a distance runner in your mind looks like, you know, as a runner. Um, And that's something that I fell into the trap of, well, you know, I was always the most muscular one on the, uh, usually on the team, Teams that I was on and would look to the other girls and think, well, you know, she's 20 pounds lighter. I need to, you know, start uh, whether it's cutting calories or, or focusing on becoming thinner. And um, it was a trap, I think, in the sense of it made running not as enjoyable and was just something that I had to be cautious of and mindful about. And eventually, you know, meet with an RD and it could have gotten worse. I see it get. Um, get worse. And that's why I started Strong Runner Chicks as sort of the community I have now is to help break that myth. So that would be number one. And I think along with that, uh, not uh, necessarily, I I do know runners, of course, that like to go high fat and all and cut carbs. But for me personally, that was a terrible idea. And so I would say, um, you know, not just falling prey to one way of eating or one nutrition ideal or one diet, um, for running as well.
0: I like how you describe it as it can be a trap and then that trap you you kind of lose enjoyment out of, um, just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign up link is in the show notes. So fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. The enjoyment of running. And I can kind of see if I put myself in that population, their shoes and might in, in fact see improvements in running as they lose a couple of pounds or a couple of kilos mm-hmm. and then think, and then it kind of like almost confirms their belief that lighter equals faster because they are losing weight and they are getting faster, but can continue to develop where it often becomes unhelpful, but that belief is still ingrained in them. They're like, you know, I showed improvements last time I lost two kilos, five pounds, and I just need to continue striving for that in order Mm -hmm. to, you know, keep getting that same success. And so I guess if, I guess when can we, work out when does it become healthy when does it become unhelpful when does it become detrimental where's that tipping point
1: yeah that's a great question and i don't necessarily have a one uh you know a single answer for this i think it definitely um i would say in the sense of like focusing on weight is generally just not healthy i think some people can maybe You know maybe they do it and it's fine for a while but um when that's the end all be all it's just not a a great route to be on and especially coming from we're talking about young athletes like coaches right um not having coaches be so focused on the weight of their athletes or focused at all and i think if you just focus on equipping them with the skills and the tools to eat in a healthy sustainable way right like adding more fruits and vegetables and making a well-rounded plate you'll see that um that these issues don't arise quite as much. Um, I would also say, I guess on that note, just trying to go back to your question there, like what, what was your, again, back to the question again? I,
0: I might I might reiterate this a little bit because okay. you, you've nailed it on the head. And well, yeah. I think when it comes to, because my question was like, when does it become kind mm. of like, where's the tipping yeah. point? And what you said was, well, if the initial focus to start with wasn't around weight loss, then everything just naturally falls into place anyway, which I really love. And you might lose weight in the beginning, like, and you might see an improvement, but the overall goal isn't to lose the weight. The overall goal is to perform or like run faster. And that might come at, it might be like have a nice training plan in place. It might be um, really focusing on your nutrition Really focusing on your recovery and you're focusing on like the areas that need to be focused on, not the weight loss. The weight loss might be a byproduct of the overall goal, but it might also not be. You might be at your ideal weight anyway. And if you're focusing on the well-trained program, if you're focusing on the nutrition, if you're focusing on the recovery, your body's going to like the individual, their body type and their body structure will fall into that ideal weight anyway. And so you're avoiding the trap because you haven't started the, you haven't focused on the weight loss as the goal and your performance is going to get better. And yeah, like I said, the weight loss, you might even gain weight because that might be your performance, uh, your ideal weight and yeah, everything will naturally fall into place if your focus is on the right things.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's that natural kind of fluctuation. And as even professional runners talk about it, it's sometimes in the off season, right, there's just different times of year. Um, And again, they're not too caught up. I think the problem becomes when you're too wrapped up or caught up in it. And uh, that would be one other sign it's gone too far Is perhaps if it's, it's isolating you from other people, you're finding it hard just to go like, to a social event, you know, that's maybe not running related, no runners there, like Uh, a Thanksgiving, right? Like the holidays, like that's maybe a sign that it's gone too far.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. If there's, so you're looking at like other aspects outside of running that might be, that might be affected. And that
1: too. Yeah.
0: It's like a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed um, Heather Hoosenblas, who does a lot of work around exercise addiction and exercises and addiction. And she was starting to mention that running, if someone's addicted to running, it can start to influence their outside behaviors. But we also touched a little bit on um, social media and like expectations mm-hmm. and
1: yeah.
0: how devices can like data can drive a lot of this um, can, yeah, kind of feed a lot of this addiction in your experience and looking at runners um, from your background, have you seen social media or the devices data gathering data to be like detrimental towards this topic?
1: Definitely, yeah. I think uh, sometimes information can be can be a good thing, right? It can be helpful, but it also can become almost too much. And I actually encountered that I think years ago. Um, even before social media was I I guess it was still pretty big but blogs you know that would tout well these are the 10 best foods for runners or like this is a day in the life of what um, the certain professional runner eats and you know thinking that you have to eat the same way they do uh, can easily become sort of a again that sort of trap of like well if they're eating this then you know that's what I'm going to do so um, similar kind of when you think about it to like mileage or training. um, What someone else does or what a pro runner is doing isn't necessarily the best for you. Yeah.
0: I try my best to steer away as best I can away from my particular views on diet and nutrition because it's so tough. When, When I'm talking, when I look at the research around running and running injuries and overcoming injuries, the research is so like laid out. It's just getting the message out there. But when it comes to exercise, nutrition and like your diet, it's just so varied. Like everyone's different and yeah. everyone will respond different to different things. So like you said, when you see blogs on the top 10 foods that a runner should be eating, it's like I cringe and kind of shy away mm-hmm. from that. And a lot of times runners ask me like, what's the best diet? What should I do, Brody? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> do like try a whole bunch of different things and try what's best for you. And sometimes it takes a lot of diligence and sometimes it takes a lot of patience to try and find what you thrive off, but it's so different for every individual.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And even like personality types. I mean, um, I am a personal trainer still and work with clients who, and we'll get into general population, but like, they have different goals and even young athletes, like some are more all or nothing, some are objective and they can just eat the same thing every day and not be affected. But others are like, no, I have to, you know, uh, do my best. And I think a lot of runners too, a lot of young runners are already pretty, uh, pretty motivated, maybe type A or high achievers. So with, they take that maybe to nutrition as well and think, well, I've got to go all in. And so, you know, that could be a bit much as well.
0: Yeah. And I think we will dive into that second kind of population topic. And I guess, I hope we can just class a whole bunch of different people into one population. So I've got like middle-aged recreational runners. So maybe like in their forties or fifties or those who I I do know a lot of runners who start running in their forties and fifties to lose weight and become more active. Um, This particular population, can we be exercising running um, to lose weight? Because losing weight for this population is a good thing, isn't it?
1: Again, I I cannot, you know, speak to if that's a good thing. I think it depends on the individual, right? It's like, well, running fifty miles a week is a good thing, right? But um, it definitely depends on who you're speaking to. I kind of and set you up
0: there with that question, and you you, you answered it perfectly. <laughs> yeah,
1: kind of what their lifestyle looks like, uh, but again, I do I do think meeting with a dietitian incredibly helpful. Um, oftentimes, they'll do a three day food log with an athlete or with, and I consider everyone an athlete. So whether you're a beginner or middle-aged, um, you know meeting with them and seeing well okay interesting like this is the time of day i get really hungry or this is the maybe the time of day maybe someone's oftentimes i'll see um you know clients of mine will say oh i didn't eat breakfast right and i i ran and i, I ate a light lunch or forgot to eat lunch and then it's like dinner time comes and of course they're you know feeling out of control or like um just just maybe that's where they need the help is more on nutrient timing rather than uh, caloric need overall. So it can be so individual, really. Um, again, it could be restricting certain macronutrient groups as like the problem, like they're not getting enough protein. Or So again, really important just to think about all, the whole picture and how it's, Liken to sort of mileage and training. And like, you need a little bit of speed work. You need a little long run and kind of including it all in there.
0: Looking at the whole picture. I like that. I'm curious to hear your thoughts because for the population, let's just say they're in their forties. Let's say they're not a runner. And let's say they've decided to start running to lose weight. My opinion would be like, it's very hard to to not change anything else when we're looking at this whole picture and just start running and lose weight. I very rarely see it. Usually it's the the combination of exercise and nutrition or and like changing their diet or it's just changing their diet. And I've had myself fluctuations in weight loss and it has always ever been if I've changed my diet it has never been whether I've increased my physical activity or decreased my physical activity and when I started training for a marathon, I was running from like maybe 5Ks a day to running oh, for like say maybe 10Ks a week to running 50Ks, 60Ks a week. And my weight stayed exactly the same. If anything, sometimes people put on a little bit of weight training for marathons and their diet might stay relatively the same. Maybe they're eating a little bit more, but the equation doesn't really balance out. But as soon as they have a change in their diet, their, their um, weight, like changes rapidly. Have you seen a, that similar thing?
1: Uh, yeah, I would say overall. I mean, sometimes someone will increase their mileage and be like, oh, interesting. I'm not eating enough to keep up with that. But usually it kind of comes back to bite them like they they get fatigued or they're, they don't have the energy to keep up. And so it's sort of like, oh, yeah, I got to eat more to balance this out. But um, yeah, I do think a lot of it does come down to diet and, and tailoring that and having those balanced plates and, um, you know, regular sort of intervals for, um, nutrient timing. So, yeah, I would, I would say overall, it does come a lot more down to, to your, your diet essentially.
0: Yeah. And I like how you say a balanced plate as well, because there are the runners out there and you know who you are, who, what they love food and they run, they, justify their running. They're like, I just run so I can eat or just so I can eat more food. And usually that food is more junk food, cakes and that kind of thing. And especially when people are training for marathons, they do their weekend long run and then they justify their run with, you know, cakes and cookies and chocolate and all that kind of thing. Um, so I'm glad that you, you've you mentioned that it, it comes at a cost and there should be like a balanced plate in there as well. Um, so <clears throat> Is there for this particular population, in your opinion, is there a stage where um, we should be less focused on like body image and we should maybe just be focusing on performance or race prep or um, focusing on other aspects of life?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's, well, I think it's really important in general, right, to like take sort of an off-season approach to maybe you have a week or two after the season's over and you're just a little more relaxed about everything and you're not so hyper-focused with, you know, not that you should be all the time, um, but again, it's sort of the, the balance. And like, I do think that, yeah, again, for some athletes that, or some runners, they'll find maybe they, they, I don't want to say they thrive with restriction, but some people do say, oh, I cut out all sugar for my diet, right? And everything's great now. And it's like, okay, well, that's great. But again, it's, um, I know for me, that would not work. Like if you tell someone, if you tell me I can't have something, it's like, oh, now I want it. So um, Mm -hmm. I do think that the food rules kind of challenging those in a sense and finding what works for someone. Um, yeah, I guess like if there's a time that you were asking, maybe it's gone too far for an athlete. I mean, I would look for hormone levels is another really good, um, sign that, you know, like regular cycles, um, you know, making sure that someone is showing the signs of, uh, like getting iron checked, for instance, getting uh vitamin levels checked. Those kinds of things I think will naturally get someone focused too on sort of health over weight. And uh certainly have for me, I've seen, oh, okay, like my vitamin D is low. What does that mean? And how do I improve that through my diet? Right. And um sort someone that could be a big eye-opener if they think that they're eating healthy or maybe they're concerned with weight gain or loss, um, it, that could come down to just a simple test of uh, biomarkers and nutrients as well.
0: And would you recommend that someone does get a regular checkup to identify any of these potential like vitamins, minerals, hormone imbalances, or should you perhaps gets like checked out if you're eliciting symptoms or if you are noticing that you're tired or, you know, don't have the same amount of energy. Is it, should we be on the um, like proactive side and like preventative kind of side or more just if someone is feeling a little bit flat?
1: Of course, the proactive preventative side, you mentioned it. Um, I would say, yeah, it's similar to, right, like getting maybe a massage once or twice a year at minimum. I would say it's it's really nice and something that we should all do or seeing a PT, right, seeing someone like yourself, Brody, before someone gets injured, right, Um, so if someone can and you know, they have the resources, even if you're just getting a a simple like iron and vitamin D, just a couple of those markers for runners. Uh, I would do so at least once a year to make sure everything's in check.
0: Yeah. And so it almost seems like for this population as well, we're kind of sitting on the same lesson of the young athlete and it's to be like, perhaps weight loss shouldn't be the ideal focus. Perhaps we should just be focusing on, um, you know, training well, sleeping well, eating well, getting a good recovery and whatever like the the body image and the weight loss shouldn't be the 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 goal. We should just have that as like an indirect, perhaps an indirect result while we're focusing on the things that really need our attention.
1: Definitely. yeah. I was reading a good study by uh, Dr. Melinda. Menor she's a an rd and has done quite a bit of research in this area and she said there's like four main questions we should ask and one is does the goal weight uh if someone is going to have a goal weight right or think about weight does it take into consideration someone's genetic makeup and like their family history um, because that's a huge component to our weight uh you know, is it appropriate for like age and level of physical development, including normal reproductive function? And I can read the the other two. I think they're important to think about. Uh, does the goal weight minimize health issues that can increase risk for injuries and promote good health and eating habits while allowing for optimal sport training and performance? And then the last is, can the goal weight be maintained without constant dieting or restricting food intake, which could lead to disordered eating or an eating disorder? So if if you think about all of those factors then i think that's kind of where someone could begin um you know if and again those are really uh that last one like can it be maintained without you feeling like you're constantly dieting or restricting i think uh is really essential is it that's
0: brilliant that's awesome i'm, I'm that that's I'm a very, very good finding so <laughs> dr melinda yeah <laughs> um <laughs> So when if you do have an ideal weight, this is like just making sure like a bit of a checklist to make sure it's realistic and it's like maintainable and making Mm -hmm. sure that we're not just constantly striving for a goal weight that's unattainable and potentially pushing yourself into an unhealthy um, side of the spectrum. Because like you said, if you're underweight, potentially it could have some health issues and it could potentially increase your risk of injury because... Um, if you are pushing yourself into that underweight or well, whatever's potentially underweight for you as the individual, your joints and your your muscles might not be getting the same amount of nutrients or may not be able to tolerate the same levels of load that might be ideal and optimal for you. So yeah, if we're looking at those four checkpoints, then we're kind of covering all bases and it's kind of like the the healthiest option for you.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's good. Uh, That's a a very nice, um, a very nice addition, which I I had no idea about, which makes a whole lot of sense. Um, before we start wrapping up, are there any other, like with your background in like, um, the, the blogs that you've done and your podcast and the athletes that you see, are there any other take-home messages that you would like runners to know or athletes to know, um, that we haven't covered today?
1: Yeah, I mean I would just say I think with the title and the premise of this episode don't don't focus on weight so much, right? Like take an approach that is more focused on your your running performance and foremost like health as a foundation. I think when we sacrifice our health, nothing good is going to come of it. You're going to be on a track to injury or restriction. Um, so, again, really focusing on adding more foods into your diet and getting a really well balanced plate, getting the protein, the carbohydrates, the vegetables, fruits, you know, all your things, but making sure that you are. Um, meeting those needs that you need as a runner and, and really taking that into account. And I think there's, again, there's no one size fits all approach to to running and there's no ideal race weight. Uh, there are, again, there's there's sources out there that may say differently, but really what the research is coming down to and uh, leading dietitians, scientists in the field are saying really it's, it's so individualized and a lot of it's genetic makeup that we we shouldn't waste our time and energy too much focused on on weight or maybe at all. So, um, just think about that one as you as you go forth.
0: As we just wrap up, can you maybe just talk to the listeners about your podcast and what the podcast is about and kind of the the topics you cover.
1: Sure. Yeah. Uh, so my podcast is Strong Runner Chick Radio. It's part of um, my organization, Strong Runner Chicks, and we are all about some of the message that I'm sharing is um, that there really is no one size fits all approach to to distance running. It's for any female identifying runners um, who are interested in you know learning more about the stories of other runners. Uh, we interview dietitians, PTs, uh, you know, different coaches in the field. And again, really just about trying to create a more inclusive community and talk about these topics that really matter. So yeah, yeah, come join us. You can uh, follow us at Strong Run Chicks on Instagram or strongrunnerchicks.com and see more about the podcast from there.
0: Cool. Do you want me to add your um your personal Insta tag as well into the show notes, or just keep the the run? Um,
1: yeah, the, the personal would is? be great as well. Um, I also do some run coaching and strength coaching, so always happy to talk to more runners and and connect that way.
0: Brilliant. I'll add all those in. Yeah, um, awesome. I think like with this topic just wrapping up, I think this is so important for a lot of runners to know because, like you said at the start, it's not addressed. Usually it's not addressed until it's an issue, especially when it comes to the younger athletes. And it's so important for athletes to know, especially those younger ones who are still developing and they're potentially, it can be quite harmful for their growth, stunting their growth and um, having a lot of health impacts in the future. And I have had a couple of episodes on red S and that particular syndrome and that's where it can become really, really dangerous and risk of stress fractures and health complications and all that kind of thing. So this is just like a, a um, just touching on that whole umbrella topic, but it's so important that we discuss it. And if we look at the whole picture, we make sure that weight isn't the the goal or isn't really the focus. And we're maintaining nice, balanced um, approach around exercise, around a well-structured program, around the diet and sleep that we've Um, covered several times on this episode, but we're reiterating it with purpose. Um, I think it allows for a nice, successful and enjoyable running career. So Megan, I want to say thanks for coming on and sharing your knowledge.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, Brody, Um, all great points. And thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Run Smarter Podcast hope you can see the impact this content has on your future running. If you appreciate the mission this podcast is creating, it would mean a lot to me if you submit a rating and review. If you want to continue expanding your knowledge, please subscribe to the podcast and get instant notifications when a new episode comes out. If you want to learn quicker, then join our Facebook group by searching the podcast title. If you want to take your learning to the next step, including injury prevention principles, injury specific insights and modules to boost your running performance, then head to our website by searching runsmarter.online and jump into our Run Smarter online course. Once again, thank you for listening and becoming a Run Smarter scholar. And remember, knowledge is power.